Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Basically, black women are not being listened to when they feel、mm. that something has gone wrong. My own personal experience is what I can talk about is that I've had two emergency caesareans, and both times when I was raised in the NR, both times it took too long for them to respond and to recognize that you know, my pain was not normal. There's something、yeah. wrong. I'm in distress. And,、yeah. you know, and you have to kick up such a fuss when you're pregnant and you're、yeah. in danger and you're scared to say,、yeah. please help me, please help me, please help me. And it's just like, you know, it, it's, it, you just really feel as though people aren't understanding this is not normal pain. I don't have a high pain threshold. You know, you can't just leave me. There is something wrong. And I think that is part of the danger in terms of why black women are dying at a higher rate. There are other factors, but this is one of the factors、um, that seems to be overlooked and underappreciated in terms of. What can go wrong and why things are going wrong. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I'm delighted to have Christine Dean here with me today.、Um, Christine's the deputy leader of the Women's Equality Party and mum of two. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Verma's <laughs> here as well, the tribe coach, life coach for mothers, Dope Black Mum of three. Hi. <sighs> so we're here to talk about. Some big stuff, but I just wanted to talk a bit about you first, Christine, and just yeah, talk about how your journey really and how you got here.、Um, I know that you're a qualified lawyer over 25 years of practicing, sorry, of 25 years of practical legal experience.、Um, you've worked extensively in the areas of child social care, child protection, and you've advised on domestic violence.、Um, Great to have you here, but can you just tell us a little bit about how you got to being deputy leader of the Women's Equality Party? Well,、um, I think about it when people ask me this question. <laughs> yeah, how more, am I here? Yeah. yeah, and more often than not, I say by accident, you know, because I <laughs> never really intended to be in politics at all and or. Really? Never, 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 never considered myself to be. Well, I didn't consider myself to be political. I was a practicing lawyer,、um, and I transitioned out of the law、um, because it's quite intensive the work that I was doing, and I really needed a change after all those years. And I just transitioned into HR, sort of working for the civil service. But、um, I just really felt the need to keep advocating for people that couldn't advocate for themselves. And I was thinking about, well, what could I do? That's not the law, but still use my, you know, sort of training and sort of my advocacy skills and so on. And I thought, well, you know, I just, well, maybe I could do some kind of campaigning for something or the other. And I, you know, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And it just so happens that a flyer um, for um, one of the elections came through my door, and I just saw Women's Equality Party, and I thought, oh, this is interesting, and I like their objectives and what have you. And I, I. Used it as a sort of like a bookmark for about a year or so. I、uh, didn't really <laughs> take it seriously, but I just had it there, and he kept looking at it. And then it just—I said to myself, "You know what? I'm going to go along to a meeting. I've never been to a—I've never joined a political party before. I've never been to a political meeting or a rally or anything、right. like that, or or even a march."、Um, and I thought I'll go along to a meeting, and I'll just sit in the background,、um, and I'll just see how it goes.、Um, I went along to the first meeting, and then within a couple of weeks. Um, I had become a member because I thought, well, I can, I can, I can go with this. And then, within a few months,、um, the original leaders of the branch that I started stepped down, and the people that I was with in that branch asked me if I put myself forward to be branch leader. And so I was like, oh, this is a bit quick, <laughs> but I accepted it because it <laughs> was a challenge. Yeah, and、um, I became branch leader, and very quickly I.、Um, Put myself forward to be on one of the committees, and then I put myself forward for it to stand in one of the in the GLA elections, and it just sort of seemed to roll really quickly from there. And then I was asked if I'd like to be one of the three deputy leaders, and I said yes.、Uh, 
Um, wow. And it's just literally been a roller coaster over the last three, four years um, in terms of my trajectory um, to being deputy leader. So I consider and it to be you know, an accidental politician. That's what I call myself. I, I love that. And while all this is happening, you're still working. Yep, still working full time. Still, obviously, my kids are four years younger than them. my son's seventeen now. So he was that was four years ago, and my daughter's twenty two. So they were still quite needy teenagers, as it were. But yeah. um, I'm still still working and sort of like doing my political thing. And they were like, "Oh, look at mum! You know, what's she doing?" <laughs> and sort of, they, they were interested and very supportive, but like, "Oh, she's you know she's doing something completely different. She's never done before." But they were. They just said, "Go good on you, you know, keep going." So, um, yeah. I so, so practically, how does that look like? Mothering, working, and building a political career. Like, it, how are you doing that? Like, what does it look like day to day? You have to be sort of dedicated in terms of, you know, we to volunteer. You volunteer in terms of um, being a member of the party. So, any work that you do, any seminars, any meetings, any rallies or campaigning is all done in your spare time um so you have to realize that there's a commitment there that you have to juggle your family life as well as you know the things that you do in, in terms of the party so it, it's it's difficult but I've always been a working mother I, I went back to work after both my kids were six months um yeah. so I never had any long time off in terms of like years off on maternity leave so I've always had to literally switch back into work very quickly and have a routine to make it work um, so I just, you know, made it sort of click back into that mode in terms of, you know, just have a plan, be organised and just get on with it, more or less. Yeah. And when you first entered the political space, not having any background in it, as a black woman, um, was it quite welcoming? The Women's Equality Party is very welcoming. I would say the world of politics, not so much, because, yeah. you know, what you, you know, people, you know, like to see representation in terms of what they can be and you know for me as a black woman you know one of the the icons you would see would be Diane Abbott but you know she was the first black woman MP um and it was sort of 1987 and that's 34 years later you know yeah. there are only eight black women MPs out of 650 so very thin on the ground and very little in terms of role modelling for you to be able to say, well, yes, that's a space I could be in. So that is one of the, sort of like the hurdles that you have to overcome in terms of saying, would I fit in here? Is it something that I can do? Because I don't see people like me doing this. And it's very hard, and very difficult, it's a very steep hill to climb to be a black woman and be elected as a politician. So I think, you know, those were the things that sort of hold you back. Obviously, I'm older, I'm a middle-aged um, I wouldn't say being a mum is a, a a barrier, but it's difficult. You know, yeah. working nine to five is also a barrier. It's difficult, but it's about people having confidence to see you as a black person, a black woman, much more or less. You know, as a convincing candidate that somebody they can vote for. You know, to say people like to vote for the usual suspects, the norm, and so you're something different. And it's very hard to get that people to to convince people to get over that barrier effectively. I still can't believe you just got a leaflet through the post and went for it. Honest, honestly, the, <laughs> the world you're talking about, I believe in making change and I want to make a difference. And I, and I believe in, you know, having good conversations and asking questions. But that's one thing. The, the political space feels like, honestly, it feels alien to me. It just mm. feels, I, I wouldn't even... I've never been on a march. I've never been to a meeting. All these things you're talking about, it just feels so out of my understanding. I don't know any, um, I haven't grown up, you know, knowing any politicians really. So, yeah, I think it's amazing. It's, it's, it's the same for me. I literally yeah. never considered politics at all. But I, yeah. I, you know, and one of the things that was a turning point for me um, was going on my first march and I went by myself and I was felt so strongly that I needed to protest. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go. And I went down to Trafalgar Square and I just melded in, you know, and marched from one end to the other. And it was a really inspiring experience. And I listened to the speakers and I was thinking, wow, you know, these women are so inspirational, you know, and they were taught it was a woman's march and that was like, it was so inspirational. I just thought, you know what, 
you know, I don't know which political party or where I'm going to go, but I just think, you know, I need to protest as a woman. I need to stand up for our rights. We need to have equality. You know, we need to have equity. You know, things aren't right, you know, especially, you know, ending violence against women and girls, my biggest passion. I just think, you know, it's not good enough. We need to do more and I need to do more. And if I can do more, I will do. So, you know, that again was sort of like a motivator to push me into the space that I hadn't been in before, you know, to come out of my comfort zone and say, you know what, let me find out what goes on here. You see if yeah. I can do it, you know, that's, and just that's so brave, be brave. Pushing through. Yeah, that is brave. And you talked about, you know, the, the eight um, women that are sort of in Parliament at the moment and yeah. sort of you going in as well. What do you think, what do you think that's done? Have you had other people that, you know, have sort of, you know, sort of resonated to the fact that you are one, you know, um, a black woman, a black mother that is there and that is able to, to sort of resonate with their, you know, their understanding, their life, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, sort of as I've progressed within the party, I've been more visible in terms of going on panels, um, going on to events, you know, speaking at conference and just putting on my own events. And, you know, it's been inspirational for me for other women to come up to me and say, you know, I'm, I'm inspiring them to think about coming into politics and I'm inspiring them to do even campaigning and or you know, to do something in their community, which they haven't done before, because they could see me doing it. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, you need to see the change, you need to see what you can be. And if you can't see it, then how can you think that you can, how can you dream it if you can't see it? And, and you know, so if not, if I do nothing else, even if I never get elected for anything, if I've inspired one woman to actually put a foot forward and put a hand up and to say, look, I'm here, and I'm going to fight for change, then that will be enough for me. Yeah, that, that's what I was just about to ask. How can representation have a direct impact on us, on how we protect our children, how we care for our children? And, and that's it. People seeing you being inspired to take action. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and sometimes, uh, I can't remember who it was said, I think it was um, Kamala Harris who said that, you know, when she was, all the things that she'd been through, one of the things that she would say to, to people that came up to her was that, you may never know how you've touched somebody by the thing that you've done, but somebody out there is going to be inspired by seeing you achieve. And so there may be hundreds of people that you never speak to, never know totally. their name, but you've had an impact on their life. Totally. And I, that always stayed with me. Yeah, yeah. I think Maya Angelou says that as well. You can never know, can you, your legacy mm -hmm. and what you, who you inspired and, and who they've inspired. Yeah. I know... Um, a bit of a segue, but wanted to talk about a topic that comes up a lot um, that we're all very passionate about, which is black maternal morality in this country. I know a number of women within the party have experienced discrimination in the NHS or pregnancy um, or after pregnancy. Can you share any of those experiences or just talk generally about the experiences that you've um well that you that you're aware that women are going through yeah i mean for me the common theme that has, has come out for me when i've spoken to women about this because we're you know women's equality party we have a what we now call the race equality caucus and we have been running a campaign in relation to trying to to, to get to the root causes of black um maternal death rates which are appalling um, and yeah. as you said, you know, black women are five, four, four times more likely now that it went down from five, it's now four times more likely than white women to die um, in childbirth or after childbirth. Um, and my sort of what's being said to me and my feeling in terms of what, you know, the issues are and experiences are is that there has been a sort of insensitivity towards um the pain of black women that the pain of the pain threshold is overestimated and so God. they're not receiving yeah. the right help at the right time it's such um, a dangerous myth isn't it and yeah it keeps on it, it it it's always there it's never you know it, it's it, that myth has been there for as long as i can remember and yeah. um yeah basically black women are not being listened to when they feel mm. that something has gone wrong 
Mm. Um, and, you know, my own personal experience is what I can talk about is that I've had two emergency cesareans, and both times when I was raising the alarm, alarm, both times, it took too long for them to respond and to recognise that, you know, my pain was not normal. There's something yeah. wrong. I'm in distress. And, yeah. you know, and you have to kick up such a fuss when you're pregnant and you're yeah. in danger and you're scared to say, yeah. please help me, please help me, please help me. And it's just like, you know, it, it's, it, you just really feel as though people aren't understanding. This is not normal pain. I don't have a high pain threshold. You know, you can't just leave me. There is something wrong. And I think that is part of the danger in terms of why black women are dying at a higher rate. There are other factors, but this is one of the factors um, that seems to be overlooked and underappreciated in terms of what can go wrong and why things are going wrong. So, you know, uh, you know, in all in other aspects of, you know, your sort of black women's health and black women's care, I, I really do think that, that, you know, the sort of the professionals underestimate, you know, their lack of understanding in terms of our pain threshold and what the sort of embedded in biases biases are in terms of how they treat us and how they perceive us in terms of the care mm. that we receive. So you mean how ingrained these stories are with people? Do you mean medical yeah. professionals? As in, they, when a black woman comes in, they are looking for other options rather than she's actually just in distress and she mm -hmm. is in pain rather than, I don't, I, I actually don't know what other people might be thinking. Like if someone says I'm in pain, I don't know why. It just seems so simple, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And it's leading to death. It, it just seems, I mean, almost farcical, doesn't it? It's yeah, but I think it's twofold because it's pain um, and a lack of understanding of, of, you know, black women's bodies, you know, comorbidities right. and any other right. things that might be going on and also not listening because obviously we've got the example of Serena Williams. She is yes. a professional woman. She is an intelligent woman. She's got all the money she could need. And she too was not listened to when she said, I know my body. I know something's yeah. not right. Please help me. I'm in pain or something. Yeah going wrong and she nearly died and it's because yeah. they still weren't they were still looking at her as a black woman her mouth was moving but they weren't hearing what she was saying and mm. that is part of the problem if you're not listening to the person that's in front of you because you've got an idea of what um should be happening or how they should be treated or how they should be feeling which is not right um mm. and i think that is um you know sort of the thing even though you you're brave enough and bold enough to speak up if people still don't want to hear you then you're still going to be put into a situation of danger um and you know i think you know for me from the research that i've done um in terms of the statistics there are conditions that black women have such as you know cardiac disease heart disease epilepsy strokes thrombosis that type of thing they don't there's no pre-screening from what i can see in relation to saying you know as a community of women we need to look at these things before people get pregnant, you know, look at them mm. as to give them some holistic care before they go into the, down the, the route of, you know, being mothers so that we can make sure that they're the healthiest that they can be um, right. before that, you know, before they get pregnant and also look out for these things during their pregnancy and after their pregnancy. I don't think that level of service is being provided to black women okay. to try and root out the cause of um, the problem. And also, mm. you know, structurally, you know, the healthcare system, you know, we know for a fact that, you know, doctors are not trained um, when they do their training on black anatomy, on black skin, yeah. black people's reactions yeah. to all sorts of ailments and illnesses. When you look at all the medical books, it's just white people and white skin and white bodies yeah. and white reactions. So is it any wonder when you get your face to something that you weren't trained on, you treat us one brush sleep all and there's no cultural awareness like well actually how do I adapt to the person that I have in front of me but that it, training it, is not there it, it does feel wild though that training's not there in this this day and age like mm. what can we it, why is it not there because it's not it's not, priority. it's not a priority yeah. <laughs> we are a minority and therefore yeah. we are not a priority um and yeah. women in particular we're never the priority they're always the minority we don't get equal treatment yeah. we don't get equal it's research so we don't get equal you mm. know sort of funding in terms of all the things that are ailments are ailments for women overall and in general so black women are at the bottom of the heap i mean if you look at the statistics for all different types of um black 
female ailments and their outcomes. They are always at the bottom and they're always far worse than anyone else. So overall, we're being getting a disservice from the uh, the, the medical profession. Um, and maternity is one of those things that are is left at the bottom of the heap effectively in terms of trying to find out what the issues and the problems are. And we need mm. to raise the awareness. We need to we need to sort of again raise the alarm and say hear us and see us and do something mm. about it. And if just playing devil's advocate just with the with our history and and track record, if we're not heard, what can we do for ourselves? Should we be pushing it back onto us to like you said, learning more about health and safety practices before we're pregnant. I mean, it just feels like these statistics, yes, they've dropped marginally, marginally, but they, they've, been, they've been this high for years now, haven't for they? For so long, yeah. Yeah, I, I get, I, I have these conversations often. Every week, there's a researcher that emails me about this topic and can we do, can I circulate a... Um, a survey about why the maternal death rates are so high. There's, it's either a research team, a charity asking how we can speak to black women to service them better, or um, like um, uh, medical professionals researching. Every single week, someone emails me about this, can we circulate? And I'm just, I just feel like, what's actually changing? Yes, it's dropped marginally, but it feels like something drastic is gonna have to happen now because- I this is, I think that we need this to have affects a us all. Yeah. We need to have a two-pronged approach. We need to help ourselves, but we need to fight for change. So in terms okay. of helping ourselves, um, as women, we need to be more informed. We okay. need to have support of our peers. We need to have you know services by and for black women so that we have yeah. a full understanding in a you know about what we need and that we can speak up and ask for what we need and say how we feel and learn from others experiences and so we're fully informed and have that support to back you up when you go to your midwife or to the GP or to you know the consultant and on when you're in hospital to say this is what she needs this is what she's saying we're here to speak for her to make sure she gets the services that she needs so you're going to have that your posse basically of women to mm, give you support. An advocate with you yeah. Yeah an advocate and then also you know what we need is to as I said in terms of medical training it needs to be anti-racist you know not discriminatory and it needs to be targeted and directed in terms of you know our needs so that we know that after the people that are we put in our trust in are actually trained to actually service us as as um as patients um we need to be able to have you know a full sort of review of maternity care to identify the structural failures because you know I had my kids, what, 22 years ago, 17 years ago, and I'm still hearing from women who are experiencing the same poor services in terms of maternity care and access mm. to maternity care and the way they are treated by midwives and sort of like the sort of, what's it, factory-like way that yeah, they treat yeah. oh, we hear, it. we hear it weekly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you're just running through a treadmill here and they're just literally rubber stamping as you're going through rather than giving oh. holistic care overall and having an understanding of what you're going through because there are other factors such as you know you're suffering from domestic abuse you might have a substance mm. issue you might have a mental health issue you might be all those things impact on how your pregnancy goes and how you respond to it after birth as well and whether you've got any other needs you know and if you've got poor housing and if you've got you know sort of financial issues and you're not really looking after yourself then you may want you know you're likely to impact your pregnancy so mm. Time for holistic care is what's needed so that you can have an overall service rather than a in and out in five minutes, book stamps, goodbye. Uh, and nobody's really seeing you as a, you know, as a pregnant mother in terms of what you need. So I think the, the approach needs to, to, be, to be blended in terms of what we need to, to fight for and also what we can do for ourselves. Mm. So with what we can do right now for ourselves, what would you suggest like if you all anybody listen to this who wants to take action right now what should I would we do do some research and find yourself a good local support group mm -hmm. know what you want in terms of your birth plan um but you know it it it, it could be flexible in terms of what because mm -hmm. you never know what's going to happen in terms of the actual pregnancy but 
know what know what's out there for you, know what's available, know your rights, and also have an understanding of who can be with you, who can support you, and yeah. and know what you don't want basically. Because sometimes yeah. you don't know what you don't you don't know what you don't want until it's presented yeah. to you in a in a really sort of traumatic situation, and then yeah. and then you're making decisions when you're not really informed or can't even speak to yourself, and somebody else is making the decisions. So yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Having an advocate with you, having someone there, because a first-time mum, you're scared. There's so much going on. You're hormonal. You could be sleep-deprived. You know, there's mm -hmm. just it's such a new state, isn't it? To then have to really advocate for yourself. And if it is hostile or if you have to push through or if you're not being heard, it can, that's exhausting in itself. It's exhausting yeah. in normal life, but being pregnant that's even harder mm -hmm. so having someone who knows your birth plan who knows your notes who knows you who knows your history who can speak for you in those times i think is brilliant hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I also think just making, making... You know how you said you had your two emergency cesareans? I mm -hmm. think every time you go and see a medical professional with your notes, making sure they write down your concerns, because you can't have a book of notes and look back and not see, for instance, for your case, see that you should mm -hmm. have had, you should, there should have been, there should have been some intervention before you had an emergency cesarean twice. Yeah. That, that can't be normal. Yeah. That can't be okay, can it? And if, and if people can write down, if they make the medical professionals write down every time they've had a concern, so we've just got the notes there so we can start piecing it together because I just hear the same stories literally weekly. Every week I, I get this sort of feedback and I'm just thinking, you know, we have to take some of the power to change this because it actually is life and death. This, this is really, really happening and it's still happening. But yeah, that's great. Looking for your local support groups mm -hmm. and having an advocate. Anything else that we can do like as a community on the ground? I mean, I think what you're doing now is brilliant mm -hmm. in terms of being a resource for women in an accessible way that they can hear and listen to advice, you know, in an environment where they feel safe and in an environment where they think that they, you know, trusted voices and that, that they can speak up and ask questions uh, and have their questions answered um, is, uh, you know, sort of something that can be done um, right now. But I also think, you know, from the campaigning standpoint, because, you know, that's one of my passions, to campaign for change. Um, and, you know, it's a disgrace that, you know, in terms of the, the service itself, that there are over, I think, 40,000 vacancies for nurses and midwives and maternity, in the maternity care situation. And, you know, so basically the NHS is underfunded. So it's mm. one thing to try to fight, you know, to get your voice heard. But if, you know, you've got one midwife who's overworked uh, and underpaid, I would say, then that is why there's going to be an impact on the service that you receive. Um, and, you know, no one's really paying attention because they've got so many other women to see and they've got a quota to fill or, you know, the pressure is on in terms of, you know, their their work day. Um, so really we need to be, you know, trying to force the government, raise awareness and force the government to actually put the money where it's needed. In so that will help to save lives, basically. And I just think they're not recognising their own failures um, and they really, you know,
we really need to be in the sort of campaigning and political space, highlighting that and then pushing for, for changes in that respect. Um, you know, I hear what you're saying about constant research. It's research every year. I think it's embraced do their sort of like statistical review in terms of mortality rates. And I keep saying, well, why do you keep doing this every year, but nothing changes? <laughs> <laughs> we know what the numbers are going to be. Yeah, we yeah. know what the numbers are. And you keep saying you know what the trends are. You keep saying you know what the causes are. So what are you doing? What, what action is actually happening in terms of looking at all of these issues? What action is actually being taken in terms of saying, right, these black women need holistic care. We're now going to set up holistic care service for them. We're now going to have a, a centre where they can go and have, you know, cradle to grave, you know, sort of, uh, you know, care right round, wrapped round, so that basically they are in the best possible position they can be to give birth, you know, and bring a new life into the world. Stop talking. Let's have less talk and more action. And I think mm. for me, that's what campaigning is about. Let's move the ball forward. Let's just, you know, move, make a change. Incrementally, it might be, but do something rather than doing nothing, rather than research, 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 because the re all they're doing is writing down what we already know what we need them to do is yeah, to make a so change true. and do something different you know you know look at it in a different way you know change what you're doing change your your model or your operating model to something that's actually going to work um to make a difference yeah through your work are there any organizations that you do feel are making a difference anybody that you think is doing good work for women, for black women? I mean, you know, I'm sort of at the beginning of this journey in terms of campaigning mm. um, against, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the situation. And, you know, five times more have yeah. been really good. They were one of the organisations which really sort of resonated with me. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant. They're now sort of working cross-government um, in terms of um, yeah. the, the, the work that they're now doing in terms of raising awareness and trying to make a difference. Uh, you know, I'll be interested to see if they can actually push things through. But it, it's a step forward compared to where they were before. They're being acknowledged as being an organisation that's actually trying to make change. And now government ministers, in, in particular black women um, MPs, are saying, look, we'll get together, we'll be cross-party, and we'll actually try to see if we can do something and make some kind of legislative change and push for, you know, hopefully more funding and or more services, you know, raise awareness as they should um and actually you know do something meaningful rather than you know inaction which is what i think there is at the moment so again five times more i think or you know really sort of high profile and i think they're accessible to black women as well um yeah they're doing some great work five times more and it's um they're making it like you said accessible digestible it's really um they have put links to sign a petition here. They've got like copies of template letters that you can send, really, really making it easy for everybody to get involved, which is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, Christine, for anybody listening that has that is struggling with loss and discrimination, what would you like to say to them? I'd like to say in terms of struggling with loss, um, I've also experienced that and I, the support of my family and support of really strong black women um, made all the difference. And I think, you know, you are not alone and you can find um, someone somewhere will be there willing to talk to you and be empathetic about your experience and be able to understand and give you some comfort in terms of, you know, a way forward and an understanding that you know for you it's devastating and you know you can't just move on sometimes people say that it's actually you need to feel what you feel and be able to then you know ha have some comfort in knowing that you know other people have been through this experience and come out the other side mm -hmm. um and you know effectively you know, sort of having 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 good support and having this service your 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 podcast and knowing that there are women out there like you um that 
there for them and actually being champions for them uh, is is something that they can take comfort in oh it just um i was just sitting there just thinking just honestly how often people contact me um about the subject and it's great to hear everything you're doing and great to see um how much five times more have grown i was just thinking of like what else can we do and next year and year after will we still be seeing the same results do you think that i guess just as women um and i know christine you talked about um you know your experience but do you think that we talk enough about the experiences that that we go through do you I don't think we share we that enough i don't think we do i think it's very hard for women in general, but I think black women in particular, to mm. share their deep um, sort of like personal experiences. Mm. Um, and it's only when I've started to talk to women and be open myself that mm. other women have felt trusted to say, well, actually that happened to me. But yeah. it's taken a while, you've known them for a while, but they still haven't said anything because they don't feel that they can, they don't feel they're in that trusted space yet to actually be open about mm. deep, personal sort of things that have happened that are really traumatic and mm-hmm. I think it's just something you've got to do in terms of building trust over time um, and then you know a lot you know and, and it's generational as well for me yeah. it's also generational that you know my mother and my grandmother never talked about um, loss never talked about you know personal sort of female things you know you had a brief talk whatever but other, everything else seemed to be taboo um, mm. And so there's no, there's no culture of being sitting around and having deep discussions and being really sort of, you know, bearing your soul, as it were. Mm. Um, but I think as, you know, generations have gone on, younger women, I find, are more, they feel more free to mm. have discussions and to talk to their girlfriends and, you know, talk to subjects that, about subjects that, you know, in my day would never come up and people would be embarrassed to talk about or, you know, shamed in some way to talk about so I think there's an evolution um but we still we all still need that talking circle and I think there needs to be a mixture of generations so everybody can learn from each other um I do think it it helps just you know knowing when something's not right as well you know sometimes just going through things and knowing how you feel but maybe not necessarily knowing you know is that just the way things are or um you know, or whatever that is, but then, you know, talking to other people that might then have gone through the same thing and realizing that actually this isn't, you know, this isn't how things how things should be. Um, I think I think is sometimes helpful with sharing as well. So, so just yeah. really getting all generations to talk is yeah is what we're saying, yeah. which can be tricky sometimes with mm. the elders in our life. Mm-hmm. But I think putting on events because. Right. The pandemic had its, you know, sort of bad sides. But one of the good things that came out of it is that in terms of reaching out to people, because it's online and people can do it at any time and you can record stuff. We did a few events, which was about black maternal health with experts and doctors where people could, you know, join onto a Zoom call, put in a question, and then you could hear other women talking. So even if you didn't want to speak yourself, you could listen to other women, other perspectives, mm-hmm. And, and then sort of gain the confidence to say, aha, you know, I can go here or I can, you know, as Pearl of Wisdom there or that's not normal or, you know, okay, I'm reassured now this is normal or maybe this mm-hmm. is what I can do to help myself. And I think that has helped to reach more people and to have people feel more confident to actually go out and find sort of support services and to get help for themselves and to recognise that things aren't right. So... I think technology has got, you know, again, you know, it's got its ills, but it's enabled us, it's enabled us to actually have a wider reach um, and to actually for people to explore more in terms of what's going on in your, your own environment, your own country and across the world um, mm. and just have uh, experiences from all different and learn from other communities and other sort of like countries mm. and know the good and the bad and the ugly effectively going around the world and just pick out the best um of what's out there and if from your point of view from a a life coach 
mum coach point of view. Do you think there's something in just building our confidence? Like, I think it takes quite a bit of courage to go and to go back to a medical professional when they've said, you're fine. Just to keep on going back and say, actually, I'm not fine. I know my body. This is not right. Do you think that's just confidence to be able to know what you're worth and stand up for yourself, you know, celebrate yourself enough to go and ask these questions again and again and again? Exactly that. I think it is really just, you know, just you know yourself better than anybody else. There's a medical professional can tell you you know what they've studied or you know they can tell you textbook what is or what isn't that you know yourself better than anyone else and I think for us as as women you know it is just having that confidence to question things and to know when things don't don't seem right and you know to go back and say but you know this doesn't sound right to me this is how I'm feeling I need you to do something about it or I need to talk to somebody else who is going to who's going to listen to me and being confident that you have that right to be able to do that it's not just you know what one person says that you know is gospel and is what needs to happen if you're not satisfied us having that voice and we do have that voice to be able to ask for something else to be able to challenge um, a diagnosis and you know I just in in past example my dad was unwell um, last year he passed away last year but throughout his sickness it was exactly that like it was like we were battling doctors you had to keep asking questions and it's only when you ask questions and you challenge that you know they then see okay this is not just somebody I can just say something to and they're going to take it I'm going to have to make sure that I go back and do something else or give another option um but you know it's it's it is a confidence thing and um it sounds probably easier um than it than it is in reality um you know to to do that because you might be a mum maybe that's on your own or you know it's your first time and you just don't know and you're just not sure you're not um, sure but also these medical terms and the mm-hmm. professionals that are meant to trust they're meant to know what's best yeah so why would you want to challenge they're like oh if you're fine you're fine like mm-hmm. why would you question it that, that's the tricky thing that, mm-hmm. that it's I difficult find, yeah it is but i i i really do think that we need to remember that the and I don't want to come from a from a negative place. They're, they're human too. So they've gone and they've studied what they've studied, whatever it is that's, that's you know, within, within their profession. But they don't know everything. You know, they don't know everything. There's always things that are coming out. There's always um, situations and cases that are different. And the worst that can happen if you ask for something is just that it doesn't happen or that you get told, no, that this isn't possible and you can go somewhere else and get told the same thing but at least you know you've asked and I think we sort of have to think about it in that way and it should be the case that we can you know that we can trust that doctors know what it is that they're saying and they they know what it is that they do that they're doing um but you know to me at the end of the day you know your body best you are the best judge of how you feel and it's just having that confidence um and not just you know having the the love for yourself to say this isn't right you know this is not I'm not happy with this I need you to do something else and we all need to encourage each other um I think to do that and to do that more and society hasn't really been set up for us to be able to feel comfortable in doing that so yeah. um you know it's, it's something that probably needs time to change but the more that we do it the more that we encourage each other the easier totally. that it will get you know you just reminded me that i did a post on um on the Go- on dope black mum socials and i was asking people mm-hmm. about their experiences so like i said i get these surveys that come through every week and I was like Mm. let's try something different let me do a post about it and have a few open questions and see if there's some conversation Mm. and I did a post about what would you like to say so you know when you're saying trust yourself love yourself enough to ask the questions Mm -hmm. and of course you can go and get a second opinion Mm. but 
ask the questions because you would never want that kind of niggling voice to be yeah. there. You didn't ask and something go wrong. Yeah. Anyway, so on my post, I had these questions. Then I said to these women who were talking to me, what would you have liked to have said in that moment? And then I was thinking, you just reminded me, I need to encourage everybody to just write a letter of what they would have said mm. and just put it out there. You haven't mm -hmm. got to like do a campaign or, or protest or send it to the medical professional, but just what would you have said? Mm -hmm. Because it could help somebody else and it might just be cathartic for you just to get it out because there's Definitely. so many people who are just like, I wish I'd said this or I thought this wasn't right, but they had all their language and, you know, yeah, Definitely. they said whatever. Yeah, and you're, and you're right. Like you're not listening to your body and you're kind of, again, all these things are going on. You're fearful, you're scared, mm. you know. Um, so that reminds me. I'm going to do that. Idea. I really yeah. love that. That's a really good idea. And I think, yeah, just writing it and, you know, other people being able to see that and maybe resonate with it, you know, maybe they've gone through the same thing or they read it, don't think anything about it. But then when they go to an appointment, they remember, oh, I read that. And, you know, yeah. this is what that person would have said. And, you know, they then have something, have something to go with. So I think that's a fantastic idea. I think, I think that's a brilliant idea as well. And also draw on what you know um, mm -hmm. and what you were saying sort of like about loving yourself um, and loving your body. Uh, and it just made me think about um, when I had my children um, and, you know, you have that mother's feeling that something's not right with your children and you would yeah. never mm -hmm. not ask the question. You would always say, yeah. no matter what, I don't care how silly I look, I'm, yep. I'm taking them to the doctor or yes. something's not right, please, you know, do something. I don't Definitely. care if you think, you know, I'm an overprotective mother because I would rather be wrong a hundred times than right, you know, a hundred and one times to, to make sure that my child is safe. And you need to have that same feeling about yourself. You, yeah. you know, when you want to answer the question, remember, draw on that and say, if it was my child, I would speak up. I must speak up for myself. Yeah. yeah. And actually, now you say that, that reminds me of, in my, my first pregnancy, um, my daughter came four weeks early and um, she was in an awkward position um, when, when you know, she was sort of trying to come out. And I was, I was so thankful that my mum was there and my mum talked about, you know, she's had past miscarriages and, and stuff like that. Doesn't really get like emotional about them or anything. She just says, you know, she's had them, but she had quite a lot of experience and she was in a room with my, my husband and I. And when my daughter had been finally delivered, I'd been in labour for like 19 hours. My mum was standing there and like I could see the look on her face. And then like she's praying and then she said she's bleeding out. And nobody else, there's other people in the room, nobody else said anything. There was nurses, doctors in the room, I was in a labour ward. And my mum was like, she's bleeding out. She's bleeding yes. out. And she went and called her, she's like, she's bleeding out. You have to do something. And afterwards, they asked her if she was a nurse, and she was like, "No, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a nurse." That gives but, me shivers. Yeah, That's you know, Mama like, I, I yeah. lost, I lost quite a lot of blood, and yeah, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. All, all I knew was I heard my mum say, it, and then um, after a while, we saw a lot of sort of, you know, the room filled with however many doctors or whatever. But it, it just goes back to that, you know, what you were saying about having someone with you as well yes, you know just you know, that tribe if you've got if you've got an advocate if you've got a mum a sister a friend or someone that can be in the room with you because especially when especially if it's your first time or mm. not even just if it's your first time if you're going through delivery you're not thinking about that like your mind is in a completely different space a completely different place and you need someone there that can sort of see what is going on and can ask those questions so you know thank god yeah, my mum right. was there at that time but it goes across everything again you know back the example with my dad um we'd go to appointments with him and there'd be three of us in a room me you know maybe my brother and sister and mum and all of us have to take notes and we'd compare notes afterwards and we've all got different things and you know it, it's always hard for just one person um to be in a room so i think us just building that community and building that that tribe and that support function where you know people do feel okay with asking someone to come to an appointment even if you don't feel yeah. like you've got anyone you know maybe not any close family members that you can ask someone 
to come to, to an appointment with you to be with you so that you're not by yourself because you're right just making it normal yeah yeah, yeah. to ask mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's a yeah. really good point totally agree totally agree and christine lastly for anybody inspired by your journey um interested in getting into politics mm -hmm. any advice uh my advice look out be... for your post <laughs> 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 I would say, look out, look out for your post, yes. Um, and I've been with a group of women for the last seven weeks, sort of doing sort of a, there's a training course you, you wouldn't, you know, for black women, basically, in terms of inequality. Um, and I would highly recommend looking out for the support services that are out there. You know, they take you on whatever part of your journey you are. They help you to move it along, move along. So there's an organisation called 5050. Um, Parliament. There's also called another one called Elect Her, and combined, they basically are there to raise women up and support them on their political journey wherever they're starting. Uh, so I would say, you know, do that piece of research and then get that support. Um, and I would, you know, say, knowing that there are other women like you out there that are all rooting for you and you're yeah. rooting for them is. Um, one of the best things I've done this year in terms of saying uh, giving me confidence to know that I can do it um, and that I could actually you know one day be a you know a politician in some sphere or some sort and that you know there is a role for me and there'll be a role for them in, in terms of whichever party they want to represent or be independent or whatever they want to campaign for you know if you're passionate your passion will come through if you're determined, your determination will come through and people will see you as a leader uh, and they will follow and they will support you. So my advice is go for it. Um, you know, don't let anybody put any limitations on you. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it and it's not your time. You go. If you feel you're ready, then you are ready. And that's what you should do. Love it. I love it. Christine Afoma, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for talking. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your stories because um, I know these are all sensitive subjects, so I really appreciate and I know it's going to land with somebody. So thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. Dope Black Moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Moms private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Moms on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Moms. Thanks so much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>